0: Welcome to Elevated Voices Podcast, where we value using our voice collectively to explore life challenges, including mental health, addiction, trauma, and ways to heal. With our voice, we empower, encourage, and transform lives. I'm your host, Daishika Bibbs, a certified trauma focused therapist, licensed clinical social worker, and licensed certified addiction specialist. As we embark on this journey together, Let's elevate our voice to echo the sound for the voiceless. Welcome, 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 my wonderful listeners. Today, we have a special guest in the building. Let me just say, I am so excited about having her on my podcast, guys. So this guest is phenomenal. She is a warm, creative conversationalist who received her AAS in Fashion Marketing and Management. She also majored in journalism and digital marketing in 2017. Due to her passion in self-expression and the Black entrepreneurship, she started her own business as a photographer. Seeing the growth and positive outcomes from showcasing others' talents and their businesses, she decided to take her skills to the next level, giving Black entrepreneurs a unbiased platform to share their vision with the world. However, in 2019, she was diagnosed with depression and anxiety. Her father was diagnosed with dementia, and she had to undergo knee surgery for the second time around. Determined not to let life transgressions interfere with her goal, she redrafted her idea of Talk With Torah podcast while on bed rest. Over the last four years, life have thrown so many curveballs at her, but she remains standing and she will be launching her t-shirt line and poetry book. Elevated Voices podcast would like to give a warm welcome to Lotora Johnson. Welcome to the show.
1: What's up? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let me just say, I am really honored to have you here. And I just want to give you Mad respect because despite everything that you have been through, you did not give up. You kept moving forward. I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, how did you balance out being diagnosed with depression and anxiety, taking care of your father and still trying to pursue your dreams as an entrepreneur?
1: Oh man. I look at it now and I'm like, how did I get through that? (laughs) It really, At that moment that you're going through it, you don't think that you're going to get through it. You don't know how you're going to actually balance everything, how you're still going to keep to, you know, what it is that you want to do, especially when you do have a sick parent. And then at the same time, you're trying to handle your mental health. So honestly, my therapist, (laughs) (laughs) I got a therapist and it was like the hardest decision that I had to make in my entire life and you would think that because of all the other things that I went through the hurdles that I I've jumped over those would have been the hardest things but my hardest battle was actually admitting that I needed a therapist. So once I got the got my therapist I basically, you know, I had to learn to stop handling everything. Right. <laughs> you no, know, it's not it's not you you can't fix everything. You can't be that person to, you know, take on everybody else's journeys in life and you know, take it as your own. Like you have to still hold true to what it is that you're doing. So my therapist actually helped me through a lot of, a lot of issues because um, I was suffering from being a perfectionist. And I thought everything has to be perfect. I have to be superwoman. I have to save everything. And that was, that was the thing that was also a struggle for me because I had to learn how to let go. Right. Learning how to let go with my father and his dementia, but being there at a distance instead of like, you know, jumping into his world and basically, you know, just forgetting about my life and forgetting about, you know, what it is that I want to do. Like I had to realize like, you know, this is his journey. This is what he's going through. You can be a daughter and be there for him, but you can't forget what it is that you're doing in your life and just jump in there completely and, you know, become a caretaker.
0: Right. Right.
1: And what you
0: said is amazing. Like you have made two valid points in your statement. One is being a little nervous about seeking a therapist and admitting that you need help. I know that a lot of people feel that same way because of the stigma. Because if I go to therapy, that means I'm crazy. I have this label. Therapy has this negative connotation. It's almost like a STD. Right. Oh my gosh, you know, you go to therapy, oh my gosh, you you contagious, you got it. Oh my god, like you know, it's the end of your life.
1: Right. Like you see it in your mind as I'm weak. I can't fix my own problems. You know, like I'm putting my problems on top of somebody else. This is a person that I don't even know and I'm giving them my problems and I'm telling them about what what it is that I'm going through. Like why should they care about what I'm going through? You know? So that like it was really hard for me to do that and I thought that I would be very sheltered as far as like, or very guarded, so to say. When I did talk to my therapist, like, I'm like, I'm going to have this therapist. I'm not going to talk to them. Like the first session I had, I cried the whole time. It was just like, and I just released it. And then that's when like, I really had to, I really had to start writing down my feelings and things like that. Like she, she had to tell me to do that because I would lock them away. Like after I dumped all that at my therapy session, I would just go back into the world and pretend like everything was all good. (laughs) And be like, oh, I'm fixed. I had one session. I'm fine. Right. (laughs) When that wasn't the case. Like it took a lot of like, right. I'm writing out my feelings. Like she's like, well, didn't you used to write poetry? Like you wrote poetry growing up. Wasn't that like a way for you to release your feelings? I was like, it was, and I haven't done it in a long time. She was like, but it did help. Right. So I had to do that. Like I had to write poetry and I had to write out how I was feeling when I was having an off day. And it it helped me a lot because I was using other coping mechanisms like drinking and, you know, just going out with my friends and partying all the time and, you know, just numbing the pain because I didn't want to know. I didn't want to feel what I was going through. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to solve my problems in a positive way, you know? So I was just like, I'm just going to get drunk, blackout, don't remember what happened the next day. And it's all going to be okay. But like, the more that I did that, the more I felt sick. Like I felt like I was just, I was just breaking down. Like I was, I was getting to a breaking point and I did get to a breaking point and I had to learn how to find other things that could actually keep me grounded. So I picked up knitting and I picked up uh, listening to to music, all types of music and um, binge watching different shows and things like that. Like And it took me a while to actually understand that it's okay to be in your feelings.
0: Right. It is. It's hard, but it's okay.
1: (laughs) That guilt is it's a whole other level. Like, it's like if I'm in my feelings about what I'm like, you know, I know people in the world are going through so many different things and I'm sitting here and I'm complaining for what? And that's what it feels like. It feels like you're complaining, but you're not. Kind of like you're not validating your feelings. You're saying like, right. "Oh, you don't have the right to feel this way." When you do have the right to feel that way.
0: Right. And that actually leads me to the second point that you mentioned earlier, which is being a perfectionist. Oh. I think society put so much on us as being African American women that We have to be perfect. Right. Like, you know, when you're working at a job, it's like all eyes are on you. You have to be perfect. You can't make mistakes. There's no room for error. And having that thought in your mind ties into sweeping your feelings under the rug. Yes.
1: And so it happens. It happens. It it definitely does. My nieces, okay. So my nieces are now my assistants. (laughs) So I was making a phone call. And when I got off the phone with, with the person that I was on the phone with, they were like, why do you do that? <laughs> like, why do I do what? They're like, it's like a switch. Like, why do you, you know, you change your whole voice and whatnot. I was like, it's just what I was taught. You know, I'm trying to let that go. And I was like, it was what I was taught growing up. It was, I was taught that, you know, you have to speak a certain way. You have to, you have to carry yourself a certain way to be accepted into the world. Because they don't see it like that now, because to them, it's like everybody's just being themselves, like everybody be there. I was like, it wasn't acceptable when I was growing up to be yourself. I was like, when you were going out for a job and you were doing all these things, you had to you had to be a certain way. Your hair had to be straightened. You had to make sure you smiled, even if you did not feel that way in the inside. I was expressing to them and I'm telling them, like, this is what it was like. And it's still like that. And I was like, and it's still also me trying to let that go because I I love the fact that I do get to be myself a little bit more, but at the same case, it's kind of like auto boot or so like you just, you kind of just revert back to the place to where it's the most comfortable, I guess. Like when I was working and I was at work every day and I worked in a cubicle and all this, and, you know, I spoke a certain way and I was, And I had to put a smile on, even though I was having a really bad day. And I was like, it's so, it's like a thing that I'm used to. So I have to learn how to get away from that. And by doing that, I'm learning to be in my feelings more. And I'm learning if you're feeling this way, it's okay that you're feeling this way. Right.
0: Definitely. And listeners, I want you guys to hear what Tora just said, because many of us experience this in our day-to-day lives especially African-American women, we are not allowed to express emotions. (sighs) We have to suck it up. We can't be ourselves. We have to be someone else in order to be successful, in order to have a voice. And if we don't, right, everybody has heard that label being the angry black woman. Right. When we express our emotions, then it's, oh, my God, mm-hmm. she got an attitude. Mm-hmm. She's an angry black woman. Oh, my gosh. I don't want to be around her. But I tell myself, guys, if you only knew just the day to day struggles that we have to face. Right. Then you will see that it's much more right. than anger that lies within us.
1: Like that term, we when we discussed it before, I really dislike that term. I'm going to say, because even in our own community, we have, it's really strong <laughs> because my brother and his friend, they both said to me, like they were, I guess they were um, expressing how they see me. So my brother's friends, he, he said that I was stubborn. My brother said I was arrogant. Right. So I had to look at it. I had to really take it, like take... <laughs> Take a moment to reflect and understand and see what type of individuals that they have their selves around, you know, and to see how they were brought up and whatnot. Because my brother is like seven years older than me. Right. So I noticed that the women and the people that are around them, they're not as outspoken as I am. So they took me being outspoken and me stating what it is that I want and need they saw that as me being stubborn and being arrogant because there was a male that was trying to sway me into believing his tactics on something or his viewpoint on something. And I was just like, no, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I completely understand. But that's not my opinion on it. No right, matter right. what you say, I'm going to stick to how I feel about that because I don't see there. there it's just what it is. Like, that's the, that's the point right there. The guy actually apologized later on because he was just like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, yeah, because some males don't understand what they're doing when they do it. Like they don't understand that if they state something and then they want you to follow behind them, like they don't understand that they're just like sitting there and just trying to break you down to the point that they want you to come over to their side. And I'm like, no, it doesn't work like that. Like (laughs) it doesn't. I've worked really hard to get to this point in my life where I can speak up because there has been several times where. I was the silent person. I allowed for people to walk all over me. I was a yes person. I never stated what it was that I needed or what I wanted. And it it also caused like a lot of things between like relationships and friendships because people didn't understand me, but it was because I wasn't showing myself. But how can I show myself when I don't know how to speak up? Yeah,
0: definitely. And, you know, in the therapy room, we call it being assertive mm-hmm. and You can't do that if you, A, don't know how or you have been taught to just be the yes person out of, you know, again, that stigma of being seen as being the angry Black woman. So it's like, if I can't be myself, then who am I? Who can I be? And that's one thing that I love about therapy because it's not solely focused on managing the mental health diagnoses Mm -hmm. about healing in and out mind, body, and soul in addition to discovering who you are now and where you want to go.
1: Yes. And it was hard. (laughs) 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 Those past traumas that you have to go through, like those past traumas, you have to like, actually, it's like a big box of paperwork. And you're just going through all of your past traumas and just unloading it. And you didn't even know that it was there. Like, I felt like I was, I I was like, I handled so many things better when I was younger. And then I had to realize that a lot of things that I was going through, I wasn't reacting to them then. So now that I'm older, it's playing a huge part in my friendships, relationships, business and everything like that in my mental health. So I'm like, I was just basically blocking off everything and just figuring in my head, like, well, this is how life is supposed to go. Bad things are supposed to happen all the time. Like, this is how it's supposed to go. You know, I don't have, I can't react to it because, you know, life goes on. So what am I reacting for? I was so disconnected from my feelings then. And I started to realize it when I was, when I started dating and guys were just like, I don't even know how you feel about me. I wasn't able to show how I was feeling at that time. I I don't know. Like I, I was very disconnected and it was just like, I don't know how to show those things because I wasn't shown it growing up. Like I wasn't, I wasn't shown like love and hugging and affection and all that. I was shown, okay, this is what you need to do. You better do it. That's what needs to be done. Like, you know, life goes on. Like my mom, she was a single parent and she was struggling at times. So she didn't have time to, you know, make sure I was good. It was like, you need to be good yourself. And the environment that I grew up in, it was a lot of that going on. Like kids had to take care of themselves. We had to grow up very early. And we had to learn independence at an early age. Like we had to learn how to cook for ourselves. We had to learn how to do our own laundry. We had, we had to be very self-sufficient because our parents didn't have the time to do things like that. So that loving part and everything like that, it was missing. I, um, I had to learn how to, you know, do that. And then to learn to not see being emotional as a weakness. Cause it, it you know, for me, I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and cry anymore. Like, I don't want to break down anymore. That was like the basis of our conversations. My conversation with my therapist was just like, well, why do you see this as a weakness? Why do you see being in your emotions as a weakness? Why do you see expressing yourself as a weakness? And I'm just like, because that's what I was taught. Like, right. You cry, you suck it up. Like, what are you doing crying? Get up. Stop crying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I
0: remember growing up hearing like family members say, nobody cares about your feelings. Nobody cares that you're crying. Society, life don't care. You know, you have to be able to put all of that aside to get the job done. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that if you are crying. You can't do that if you're overly emotional. Mm-hmm. So suck it up. It will be okay. Is not the end of the world. So keep going. Yes. And it's like, dude, what? I'm 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 only a little girl. And <laughs> granted, you know. Everybody say women are more emotional than men. Is this really how it is? I mean, is the world really that cold that I have to put this mask on and just literally suck everything up and be okay with it when I'm not okay?
1: Right. And I, and I like the fact that now we are having more open conversations about the emotions of men and women, because I do feel that... It's more acceptable for women to be more emotional, but it's not acceptable for guys. So like, if if a guy wants to show his emotions, if he wants to be that emotional person, he's not able to because of how he's going to be seen. So I think I understand it a lot because of where I grew up and how I am as a person, because I'm like, I've had guys tell me they wanted me to show my emotions more. And I was just like, I... (laughs) I don't know how to do that. And they're like, you're really like a male, like you're a male because of the way that you are. Like, you're very cool to hang out with. You know, it's a nice conversation and everything. We have a good time. But when it comes to like that actual emotional side, you're so disconnected and you don't even want to touch on that. Right. So I was just like, well, in my household, like this is how I was raised. Like, you know, my mom wasn't like that. She was she was you know, working all the time. And she didn't know how to do that because it wasn't given to her. She had a life where she had to take care of her siblings. Her mother passed away at a young age. She had to step up, be the older sister, take care of her siblings. And she was just like, I didn't have time for any of that. She's like, I didn't have time to be depressed. I'm like, wow. So she's just like, I don't know how to show the things that I'm supposed to show. She's like, I don't know how to show love and things like that. She's like, I don't know how to do it because I was never it was never given to me. And I used to think that that was crazy because I'm like, wait, what? But now I'm starting to realize it in my, in my, like now that I'm older, I'm starting to realize it too. And how disconnected from my emotions that I am and how not having that has caused that for me.
0: Right. You mentioned traumas, but the trauma is tied into learned behavior, which then is tied into all of the generational curses, quote unquote. Or generational learned behavior that a lot of our African American families are struggling with today. Right. And it's like, how do we break that? Oh, man. My grandmother didn't teach my mom. Now, my mom didn't teach me because she didn't have the tools or the skills to do so. And it's like, when you know better, you do better. Well, hopefully, when you know better, you do better for most, right? Right. But how do we now in our adulthood process our emotions, process how we're feeling and being able to have a balanced life and move forward and have those healthy relationships?
1: It really it really does come a lot from healing because I, I noticed that self-healing, self-reflection, quietness, like. yeah. I tell people that all the time when they're like, why, are you, how are you the way that you are? I'm like, understand. Like, I really did a lot of self-reflecting and a lot of quiet because I noticed that when I have conversations with people and they talk about, you know, how they don't like being alone, they don't like being by themselves. And I was just like, honestly, it is a very hard thing, but it's definitely needed. You need to learn yourself. You need to learn how to be your best friend in your own company. Because it's like it's very well needed. Because you you look yourself in the mirror and you're like, do I really know the person staring back at me? There was times where I looked at myself. I'm like, I don't know who this person is. I don't know what I want. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I need. I don't know anything about Latoya. And I'm like, how do I get there? It was a scary moment. I'm like, I'm a human being. This is who I am, and I don't know who I am. (laughs) And I'm like, how do I do this? So I had to really release a lot of anger towards. You know, my parents, because I felt like they could have raised me better. The reason to why I'm going through these things now is because they didn't do their job then, and I'm like, why am I setting blame on things that happened so long ago? I need to right. learn how to let it go. That took a lot of a lot of talking, a lot of writing, a lot of crying, a lot of uncomfortable conversations that I did not want to have, like a lot of expressing my feelings and telling like someone that they hurt me like you did this, and it hurt me and I don't know if I'm going to be okay for like right now. Like, I don't know if we could have a relationship because you did this to me and it hurt me. So me admitting that it made me feel so bad. Cause I was just like, I don't ever want to admit that somebody hurt my feelings. Right. <laughs> so I used to have the fears of like, what if I bring a child into this world? And there's so many reasons I can say so many reasons to why I, I seek therapy and, I was definitely spiraling and it was because I had depression, but it was also because I'm like, I would love to have a family one day. I want to have children, but I'm, I was so afraid of bringing a child into the same environment that I was brought into. And everyone is just like, well, you're great with kids and you're this and you're that or whatever. And I'm just like, it's still that fear though. I'm like, I'm probably, you know, I look at my mom and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that no parent is just like, I'm going to bring a child in this world and I'm not going to do anything for it. Like, you know, I'm not going to give them any type of emotional connect. I don't think anyone thinks that way. So when people are just like, you're going to be a great mom. I'm like, you don't know that. I don't know that. <laughs> like, so I had to really let go of all the things that were weighing me down, insecurities, like all the things that I went through and I didn't discuss as a child that I went through. I didn't discuss them. Like I just kept them bottled in and I had to just let all of that stuff out. And that is basically what my poetry book is. It's like really a diary (laughs) of everything. Right. Self-expression. Hey, self-expression
0: in your podcast, your Mm -hmm. recent episode, you talk about, well, first of all, you opened up to your listeners into the world that you struggled with depression and anxiety. But then yes. you use this great analogy that you learned in therapy about this bookshelf. Oh yes. The more things you put on the bookshelf, quote unquote, life transgressions, imagine mm-hmm. that is a book. And every time mm-hmm. you face a challenge or obstacle, you put that obstacle, that book on the shelf. And the more you put on the shelf, eventually it's going to collapse. Right. So how do you clean up that bookshelf? And you have said it many times, it's it's through healing. It's through expressing my emotions, expressing my feelings, putting pen to paper. A lot of people is afraid to do that. A lot of people don't know how to do that. And I'm really happy that you are expressing yourself in a healthy way not using alcohol because most people do right expressing emotions it hurts like solving the problem it hurts so yes let me use alcohol yes let me use drugs let me use sex let me use gambling
1: I think that's a problem we don't we don't recognize like I I didn't recognize it myself when I was going through trying to let go of all the things that people have done to me um, I was just like, well, I don't understand is he is human decency. Like, why do people act this way and this way and this way? And my therapist was like, Latour, you are not everybody. You yeah. are yourself. <laughs> so I had to come to terms to understand that people are human. Everybody makes mistakes. And when I did make a mistake, and I really had like serious panic attacks when I had a, when I made a mistake. And my therapist was just like, Why is this so bad? And I was just like, it's like a chip in, in my foundation to me. Like, I'm not perfect anymore. That whole perfectionist thing. Like, I, I just, I'm like, I'm not that anymore. She's like, you're human. Everybody's human. Everybody makes mistakes. You know, you can't just, and I was just like casting away, like casting people away. Like, okay, they did this to me. I'm walking out of this situation. Instead of really having open conversations and communicating with people, like, I would just be like, I would shut down. And I would just walk away from situations. I'm not, not going to explain myself, nothing. You hurt m- my feelings. I'm not going to tell you you hurt my feelings. I'm just not going to talk to you anymore. So I had to learn to get over that. And that really did help me a lot, like expressing to someone like, look, this is what you did to me. I just want you to know that. And I don't know, you know, how you're going to take this and whatnot, but if we, if you want to fix it, we can talk about it. Like, let's talk about it. Let's have an open discussion. Even if the situation went bad and it didn't go the way that I thought it would go, at the end of the day, I still felt good that I actually opened up and expressed how I felt. Going through that bookshelf, (laughs) I literally did go through like every single book where it was like, okay, this was like from 13 like age 13. Let's see what this book was about. Let's see what traumas and everything I went through through here. Like let's 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 read it. Let's go through it. Let's figure it out. Let's decipher it. Like and I did and I was just like, "Okay. All right. I handled that." And then I had to take a lesson for, from everything from every situation that I discussed with my therapist. I had to learn from that. And I think another thing that people look at, they're like, "Well, if I go to therapy, I'm going to be put on medication." So my therapist made it an option for me. She was just like, if you don't want to do that, we can find other ways. But for me, I needed it at that moment because I was just so I was just really, really down. And I was just like, I don't know if I can get out of this. Like, I need something to help me. So I was on antidepressants for a little bit. And then once I was able to, you know, I'm like, okay, I want to figure out other methods And that's what I did. So while figuring out other methods, as far as like knitting and drawing and doing the things that really, really helped me creatively, because I'm a creative person, it helped me to relax and it helped me to like, like, just, just let it out, just, just relax and let it out. And, you know, it helped me to get back to where I was supposed to be or where I was at that moment. So that's what really helped me. So while we were doing all that, we was also going through all the books, and she's like, okay, so what are we going to talk about now? Like, what, what? how does that make you feel? Like, you talked to this person. What did it make you, like, what feelings were involved with that? Like, how do you think that you should have handled the situation? Do you think you should have handled it differently? How do you feel about how you handled it? So, Definitely. You get a lot of
0: that in therapy is how you feel. Mm-hmm.
1: What were you thinking? And I'm not used to that. I am so not used to it. I'm not used to someone consistently wanting to talk about how I feel or what I'm going through, or, you know, like I'm usually the person, like, I don't want to talk about my feelings. I'm great at solving everybody else's problems. Let's talk about their problems. Let's talk about what they're struggling with. Like, let me help you. And, you know, what I'm, what I'm dealing with, I'll deal with it myself. I think it's very vital for individuals as myself to seek therapy because we're we're like the fixers. We're great at handling everybody else's issues. We're great at helping other people to do what it is that they need to do. But at the end of the day, no one's really helping us because we won't allow them to. <laughs> right. So we need to seek someone who is going to help us to allow somebody to do it or for us to, you know, recognize if this person is worthy of doing that.
0: Exactly. Exactly. You mentioned the stigma with being put on medication. hmm. For a long time, a lot of people, you know, you go to therapy, you see a a psychiatrist, here's the medication. Right. But now things have changed and it's almost like I'm nervous about going to therapy, A, because of the stigma, but then B, I really don't know what to expect. Here it is. I don't know this person. I'm telling this person all of my vulnerable secrets and it's like, I'm naked in a room of thousands of people and they are just looking and staring at me. I feel that way. I don't want to feel that way. I don't want to be vulnerable to someone that I don't know, let alone placed on medications. And will this person really get me? Will they really understand what Torah is going
1: through? Right. It's a search too, because I, oh man, I, I searched, I searched when I, when I first looked for a therapist, I was looking under my insurance and I realized that there was no one of my color and I, it made me feel so uncomfortable because I had went to a therapist when I did live in New York one time, it was one session after that last session, that first session, it was my last session. And it was because the person was white, and I, I was like, they don't understand my experience. I can't be open to someone who doesn't get it, you know? Like, someone who's just, because she was just like, oh, wow, it just seems like everybody else around you is crazy, and you, you know, you get it, you get it. And I'm like, that's not what I want to hear. I don't want you to tell me that. Like, I want you to help me to unpack what I need to unpack. When I did seek therapy this time around, I, my, my number one thing was like, I want someone who is of color because I need to feel like I am not looked at, like I'm bashing another race or anything like that. Like I need to be able to feel comfortable in my environment. I need to be able to feel like I can talk to this person about the things that are going on. And then I was just like, I also feel like I might just need a woman. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, I I wanted to I'm like, this is going to be someone that I'm really going to open up to. I need to feel comfortable. So I need to have a checklist. I'm sorry. This it needs to be a checklist for this one thing in my life where it's it's going to be very difficult for me. I need to be able that they like be able to uh, check everything off for this list. I was like, she has to be someone who's older. (laughs) She has to be someone who is of color and she has to be of course, she has to be a woman. and When I did reach out to my therapist, she was actually out of my, like, she wasn't under my insurance. So I was just like, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do? She was just like, well, you know, if you're, if you're searching out of your network and you find a therapist because it's therapy, it's like a discounted rate or something like that. We can work on the out out of pocket, you know, if you want to, so we can discuss that and we can come up with some type of plan and everything. And I think she just really, really understood and noticed you know, wow, she really does need help. Like she's, she needs it and she's reaching out for it. And, you know, and I think she just sensed it. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, please don't turn me away. Thinking in my head, like, please don't turn me away. Cause if you turn me away, I'm not doing this, but she didn't turn me away. Our first session, I literally cried it out. And then I walked out and I did feel extremely embarrassed as if it was a thousand people in a room. I felt embarrassed and I didn't talk about it. And I was in school at the time. And I had other peers of mine coming out in class in the classroom saying, oh, yeah, well, I suffer from anxiety and depression. And I went and I have a therapist and everything. And I just would not bring it up because to me, it was like, I'm already a person like I'm a private person. So to me, it was just like embarrassing. Right. I was like, I'm in therapy and this is embarrassing. And I don't want to tell someone this because to me, this isn't I can't fix my problems and I, I'm i embarrassed. And it took me some time to get over that embarrassment. It took some time for me to embrace it and to understand that we need help sometimes. We are not perfect. We're human beings. We're not super people.
0: Like we're not. Even though some of us have multiple things that we're doing. Right. Yeah.
1: We're not, not super woman. Right. But we still think we can conquer the world. Like, yeah, we're doing all this stuff over here. We can conquer the world too. And then we can handle our mental health at the same time. Like we can do all of this. We have to be able to do all of this. And I had so many talks about this with individuals from where I met in my hometown. And I just, I understand them. Like I get it because I understand what it was like living there and not feeling that you're going to ever get out and struggling. And it was just, like, I just get it. So I like going home. It has always been one of those things where it's just like, this is where all of the worst things <laughs> happen. Right. <to> <laughs> but now when I go home, it's actually, it's not like that anymore because I let go of all that. I let go of like what that place stands for Like now it just stands, like it's home. It's where I learned my lessons. It's where I went through the most traumatic experiences of my life. And I, and I got out of it.
0: Right. Speaking of home, How has your family reacted to you sharing your mental health diagnoses with the world?
1: Honestly, they don't understand it. I think my mom, I think my mom is the only one that gets it. But my brother, I tried to understand, like I tried to explain it to them. But one thing that I learned is that when it comes to friends and family, if they're not going through it, if they don't, you know, if they really haven't been diagnosed with it, if they're not going through it, then I don't think that they necessarily understand because they feel like, I think at one point in time, my brother and and one of my friends at the time was just like, you're just having a bad day. Like you need to just go and do that and do that. I'm like, no, it's not a bad day. Like, it's like, literally, I just want to crawl in a black hole. And I just want to stay in there forever and never come out. And I'm like, and having no energy to get up and do anything. And I was like, it's just, it feels like I'm drowning. Like it feels like someone is literally suffocating me, but I'm still living. And I was just like, it's the worst feeling in the world. And it like talking to them actually made me have more (laughs) anxiety. So trying to explain to them what anxiety and depression was, was just like really hard. So I don't think that they really, I don't think they listened to the episode and, you know, just, I don't think they listened to it, but I think at this point in my life, they're just like, her's going to do whatever she wants. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, she's going to do this. If it makes her feel good, then, you know, by all means go ahead. But it was really difficult in a few stages of my life because I did not know who I could turn to and talk to about this. This new journey I was going through, trying to understand depression, anxiety, like it was very, very hard not having someone who was going through the situation. Like I was going through the situation. I just kind of dealt with it with myself and my therapist. And I was just like, all right, this is what it is. Like now, how do we fix the problem? Like, how do I fix this? How do I make it better? Like And I had to learn that not everything happens overnight because with me, it's like, this is what it is. Like, this is the problem. I have the solution. (laughs) That's it. But it doesn't work like that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's truly a process. And allowing yourself to heal. Like, I use this analogy of having a cut. Mm -hmm. And when you first cut your finger, it's tender. It hurts. You know, you have to treat it with tender love and care. You know, you, you have to make sure it's clean. You have to put you know, um, nilsporin on it and you have to bandage it. And then after a while, you need to be able to let it breathe, mm-hmm. give it some air right. in order for it to truly heal. And even that little small cut have different stages of healing. Yes. I compare that to taking care of your mental health because a lot of people have this ideology that mental health only refers to being diagnosed with a mental health illness mm-hmm. but that's not true it's your overall well-being you know are you sleeping are you eating are you getting enough exercise right you know and truly being in tune with yourself as a person yes
1: and it's really hard it it is hard and i mean i i changed like a lot of things in my life so when i went vegan I was, I was just doing a lot of shifting. Me and my therapist talk about how my growth is. I'm not like a standstill type of person. Like I really literally just add new petals to the person that I am. Like, that's how I see it. Cause I'm like, I never changed the essence of who I am has always been who I am, but I add so many different levels to me and so many different leaves of growth. And I went vegan. And then I was just like, yeah, this will solve all my problems. Because at that time, I was having a lot of health issues. And I was having issues with, you know, uh, losing weight. And also, like, I didn't know that, you know, it was before I got my diagnosis. So I was just like, all right, you know, like, let's figure this out. So I had to learn also how to have a healthier relationship with food. <laughs> because when I was depressed, food was my friend. That was my go-to overeating, all that, all that. Like that was what I did when I felt at my lowest low. So I had to learn my relationship with food and where it stemmed from and try to like understand that. And then that was a whole other thing in in itself. So (laughs) once I started to do that and learn my relationship with food and then learn how to love myself, like literally, like really love myself. Like I tell people all the time, I'm at a point in my life that I love myself more than anybody could ever love me. And I'm proud to say that because there were times where I didn't love myself at all. I didn't. I didn't like the way I looked. I was uncomfortable. I didn't like anything about me. I didn't like my personality. I just beat myself up so much about mistakes that I've made. Like, I really didn't love the person that I was. So I had to learn how to do that. And I had to learn how to love the person I am. So that way I can have a better relationship with food and I won't do the same things that I did before.
0: Right. Right. You have an amazing story. You are blossoming daily and you're going to continue to do so. It's like I can see The glow that's, you know, just coming from you. It's, it's alive. It's there. So what tips would you give to a listener who may be either struggling with depression or anxiety, or they may feel like, you know what? Therapy is not for me. I don't know about it. They just unsure.
1: Right. Um, I would say, first off, if you do decide to do therapy, Definitely do your research on your therapist. Look and see who you're who you're going to sit down with. And basically just start writing out how you feel. If you feel like you're not there just yet, then definitely just start writing it out. Write out how you feel every day. Draw. Do something creative to keep your mind focused on other things. Because one thing about it is like when you have anxiety, it's like those thousand thoughts that are beating you down. And basically just wanting you to stay in that unhealthy mind space. So like people are always like, oh, be positive. Like, I'm like, when you have a thousand thoughts beating you down, there's no way for you to be positive. So being your feelings, write it out. If you feel like, if you feel comfortable talking to a friend, if you feel like that would make you feel better, then you should have a friend to talk to. But I would say, just understand the person that you are. If you have those suicidal thoughts, I don't, I really don't think that you should just write it out. You should definitely seek help to go talk to someone. I mean, I've been there before too. So that's, that was a scary point for me. And that's why I was just like, okay, you know, I don't, I, this, this isn't good. So I would definitely say, you know, do your research and don't, don't feel like it's a hopeless situation because it's definitely not. Don't feel weak for seeking help because you're not, you're actually a strong, strong person because you're admitting that you can't do this alone. And that you need someone, and that is okay. It's perfectly fine. So find creative outlets, meditate, do yoga, <laughs> binge watch, be in your feelings. Learn how to be, be in your feelings by yourself. Crawl up in your bed, find some music to listen to, and just zone out and, and just like let the music take you away and not think about what's going on.
0: Thank you. Guys, you have heard it directly from Tora. She's amazing. She's awesome. And, guys, This is not scripted. She's not making this up. This is real life experience. It's hard being out there feeling like you're the only person who is struggling by yourself. But guys, you do not have to. You do not have to be by yourself. There are so many people out here that are willing to help. You just have to take the first step, like Tora said, admit that you do have a problem, Say to yourself, "Okay, what is the next step? And let me get the help that I deserve. Right. So, Tora, if someone wants to reach out to you directly to learn more about you, to be on your podcast, talk with Tora for black entrepreneurs, how can they reach out to you?
1: So you can find me on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at Torah. There's no underscrolls or anything. It's just all one word, Torah. You can also email me at TalkWithTorah at gmail.com. Um, I do te- check my emails. I check my DMs. And I stay on top of stuff like that. So I got assistance now. So now it's even easier. (laughs) So my podcast is out every Tuesday on Anchor, Spotify, Apple podcast. So you could definitely check that out. I interview, oh my gosh, numerous individuals in so many different fields. And my podcast is for the black community. So Black entrepreneurs, Black artists, Black healers, Black authors, Black filmmakers, like anything that you can think up at this point. Like there's just so many people coming in. And if you ever just want to talk or you need advice on anything, I'm always, always open for that. Like I'm always open to hear what what everyone else's experiences are. And I'm always open to, you know, give some tips and advice that I can give or and, and talk about what I've experienced and, you know, how I learned from the situations that I was in.
0: Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure and an honor having you on Elevated Voices podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so, so honored. I appreciate this so much.
0: You're welcome. I
1: know we go elevate, elevate, elevate.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Elevated Voices Podcast, where we enjoy using our voice to share information which promotes growth and change. Never feel like you are alone. Join our Elevated Voices Podcast community at Elevated Voices underscore on both Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned to bi-weekly episodes wherever you get your podcast. If there's a topic that you would like me to cover, or if you have questions, you can send me an email via my Elevated Voices podcast Facebook page. And remember, don't forget to let your voice be heard.